0: All your life, you've been taught to be prim, proper, to just have a morsel, to not be obscene. From now on, it's away with all of that. No more sacrifice, no more apology. You have the right to be shameless. You are an empress, didn't you know? You deserve to relish in luxury and luxuriate in the fruits of your labors. Take a cab for five blocks. Buy that bag that's too much. Skip shaving your legs because you aren't any less sexy. They're a tantrum if you want to. Change the world if you want to. My goddesses, my bad girls, my femme fatales, empresses, all of you empresses. Life is for the ravenous. Go forth and eat the world. This was my first introduction to Beryl Fine, chocolatier, photographer. I've known her for around a year now, and this people such as Beryl from which Guts and Glory stems. In response to being asked to come on the podcast, I got a swift reply of agreement, signed, hashtag executive realness, and that's Beryl, a statement. In this episode, Beryl opens the door to instinct versus logic, and where her gut has led her. A quick heads up, we're dealing with an overseas conversation here, so the audio may reflect that. Coming to you from Toulouse, France, in New York City, this is Came in Through the Back Door with Beryl Fine.
1: Testing, testing, guts and glory.
0: Well, they're going to come running down road one day. They're going to be shouting, hip, hip hooray. Now say the king is gone. The crowd is dead. Let's live for truth. Let's go instead of stalling all the time to get bled dry. To quote
1: one of my favorite groups, Wu-Tang, on I'll find the song for you. But it's, ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to welcome to you special uninvited guests came in through the back door. Ladies and gentlemen, all the way from the slums of Shaolin. Ladies and gentlemen, it's them. And like that's how I felt um most of my, you know, adult life is that I've always had to do things through the back door and part of doing that is following your gut into like actually walking through the back door. Hi there, this is, my name is Beryl Fine, um, and I am headmistress of Hope Chocolate Brooklyn in Brooklyn, New York. I make a handmade dark chocolate that's sweetened with uh, coconut and maple sugars. Um, It's all certified U.S. organic, and it's vegan for anyone who cares. (laughs) Perhaps people who follow a less conventional path may have this experience more than uh people who follow convention on a path that's been tread before because i think it's easier to to tread on you know a path that's been laid out before you as yeah. opposed to forging um you know a shortcut if you will Right before I moved to New York, I think I was 27. I just turned 27, and I had my first, like, real art show in New- in uh, San Francisco, which is where I used to live. And I'm a photographer, and so they... Uh, and I know you know, but I'm just, you know, for your audience. Yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, it was, like, my first art, real art show. Like, I'd hung before, but it was, like, group shows, and, you know, San Francisco doesn't have a huge scene, so whatever. Anyway, it was at this place called the Medicine Agency, and... Um, You know, it was a one night thing and I knew that I had a certain amount of money, but I needed like $750 more to do more prints and get frames and like all that shit. And like I'd have money saved, you know, for my trip, but that would have, the $750 at that point would have ate considerably into my saving. I felt though the need to do it regardless, um, not because it was practical, but because I felt like this was an opportunity, at least for me at that point, like, let's face it, the medicine agency is closed and nothing, you know, (laughs) they're not like a prestigious gallery. However, um, you know, I printed everything. I hung my work. I did this cool, like little installation thing. And, um, I just remember sitting there looking at all of it when it was finished. And I'm like, this is like make or break either. I fucking do this shit. I sell out. Or, like, you know, that's it. I don't pay rent. And it was really, um, it was a wonderful experience. And I sold doubles and triples of specific prints. And I did sell out of my show. And um, it was really remarkable because I felt that it was the right thing to do. I felt that if I did not fully uh, immerse myself into the uh, experience of doing something that I could be proud of later, regardless of the outcome, because I felt like, you know, I think that that was what I was holding on to was knowing the, having the experience of feeling that I did everything I could to project myself, um, you know, into the, you know, my perception yeah. of where I wanted to be, you know, um. And it was amazing. Like, the, the dude who owned the gallery, he was like, this is incredible. Like, we've never had a show like this before. The guy, uh, Ron English, was hanging before me there. Like, his uh, show was up before and then mine followed. And uh, they didn't sell one piece of Ron English. And that motherfucker is amazing, you know. His graphic, I mean, he, he does art, but, like, I would say his work is very graphic. And, like, um, you know, I was kind of flattered, you know, like, was Ron English's work a lot more expensive? Absolutely. <laughs> but um, it was really um, a fantastic experience because not only did I have enough money to pay rent, but I replenished my savings for my trip that was going to be in two months. And um, so, yeah, I, you know, moved to, that was kind of like the beginning of my move to New York. And that also was like a bad experience. So,
0: Yeah, and I feel like you did away with the safety net and fear that, For many of us, keeps us in our comfort zone and makes us second guess ourselves. You took the stance of living as if you're already leading the life you wanted, and literally referencing back to what you just said, you purposely projected yourself into your perception of where you wanted to be at the time. It's that concept of having the perspective of already being where you want to be in your headspace, as well as trying to bring action-related intentions into the everyday.
1: It's um, you know, it's it's. I have been struggling with this perception most of my life. When you were walking through your day and you're like, I should get on this subway car. No, I should get on this subway car. And like, you kind of argue with, you know, basic instincts. It's not like this is, these are profound decisions that we're making, but like, this is another example of, <laughs> anyway, I was having this conversation in my head once. I'm like, get on this subway car. No, get on this subway car. And it said, I went with my first. I'm like, Beryl, just fucking get on the first subway car. Like, why are you arguing with yourself, proving yourself, trying to like, say to yourself that like this is a better decision when this is just like your instinct so I got on the fucking subway car and I like ran into this woman I hadn't seen since I was like 15 years old and like it wasn't like an amazing interaction you know it wasn't like a beautiful (laughs) you know right home about experience but Uh I did see her and it was really interesting because I was like you know there's constant instances in my life where I'm like constantly trying to prove myself wrong and not follow my gut or my instinct and like you know, overthink things or not even, I don't want to use that word, but like, you know, as humans, we second guess ourselves regularly. I think that was God's gift to us, right? Or our punishment for mm-hmm. making choices our <laughs> own choices. Um, I find when I remind myself of that and I follow my gut or my instinct, um, it's always uh, a, a rewarding experience despite the road that you have to take to get there it's not that it's paved in gold (laughs) yeah no (laughs) (laughs) but you got some weed that you gotta like use your machete for i'm personally a fan of malcolm gladwell and uh he talks about my favorite book that he did was called outliers and it's all about like the randos who like made it despite you know uh all of the statistics that stacked against them maybe the outliers are the ones that like were always on the plane you know and managed to you know executed it in a part of their lives that managed to shape um i don't know i'm, I'm, I'm getting stoned also while we're talking so forgive me um all good <laughs> but yeah um i'm into this pers- this idea i mean like you know this is what tony robbins talks about yeah too. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, he's not an idiot, but I, and I say his name with such disdain, but, like, to keep it real, like, I don't know what Tony Robbins' fucking gut says, but, like, because maybe he doesn't follow his gut at all, maybe, you know, whatever, it's fine, but, um, you know, it is, it's about actualization, it's about manifesting something and trusting yourself um, and not uh, being your worst enemy. When you follow your gut... It's, it's a voice that's inside of you, and it's very quiet. Um, I think that we spend a lot of time talking over the, what your gut is saying to you. And so it's not about following your first emotion always. It's about listening.
0: During one of her first video calls, Beryl appeared on camera with a chocolate smear on her forehead. Ever since then, I've had this image in my head, her in her basement, ladle in hand, bent over a cauldron of chocolate concoctions, all of which will be linked in the show notes, FYI. She's a woman in the works, someone I look up to. She also sends me transatlantic packages full of chocolate bars. This was came in Through the Back Door with barrel Fine. Share your thoughts and show us some love by subscribing or getting touched to be featured on the podcast. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. Today's music by The Hoo Haas. Released every other Monday. Thanks for lending us an ear. Passing on the mic.